seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit, whoa. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit, whoa. Here we are, episode 666. Oh, wait, wait. I'm just hearing from our producer. It's actually episode 66. Damn. Well, anyway. <laughs> Damn. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Hey, good. You got you just got me really hopeful and then, you know, got ruined. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I was saying that, you know, like I, I started to see the, the flames start engulfing my Zoom window and, you know, I started growing devil horns and it was... It was going to be a pretty gnarly, satanic uh, podcast, but now it's just a normal podcast. Well, you can't get canceled in hell. <laughs> Imagine if. The devil's like, Aaron, that was really problematic. <laughs> yeah. You know, what you just said about about the trans community, I just take offense to that, me, the devil. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, please be open to all people in hell who, no matter their sex. Uh, wait, does, does that mean Dave Chappelle's going to hell because of his comments? I think we're all going to hell um, for one thing or another. And just as <laughs> just to be clear, Aaron and I do very much support the trans community. Um, and yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, we would never say anything uh, about that community, which has been very much marginalized. Um, so. It was just a good example. But yes, it was, I think, even probably Satan has his limits. He's like, no, yo, dude, that's so not cool. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Or like Jewish jokes. Like, <laughs> like with the, with the, with it's someone in hell's like throws a quarter on the ground and says, hey, Jew, run and grab it. And then is the devil like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is, that is very anti Semitic. Yeah. Or uh, you've got to stop that. The devil's like, I just want to let you know, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, huge fan of Jews. Yeah, no, no, of the person making the joke. He's like, I aspire to oh. your evil. Oh yeah, to be you. <laughs> yeah, the devil is. Uh, well, do you want to talk about our our uh, topic yeah. today? So, as as you know, for our listeners new and old, um, you know, every week Aaron and I try to have a sort of over encompassing theme that we can apply to each of our hopeless topics. Sometimes we fumble through this. Sometimes it's pretty seamless. But this week, I think we've got a pretty good sort of theme. And that's the idea of individualism. And we're in a constant, I guess, state of battle where it's the, you know, what's right for an individual person's needs and what's right for the good of the many. And sometimes it feels like we have to make a choice. Sometimes it feels like one idea or one option is wrong. Um, and we think it's just an interesting thing to talk about. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be analyzing our topics today through that lens of individualism and just see how it applies. But before we get into yeah. our topics, how about a little uh, news from the quarantine, Aaron? Yeah, this this week, the quarantine was was great because I feel the quarantine just even though we're going to call it the news from the quarantine for the rest of existence the the quarantine just really feels light and fluffy now. I feel like Halloween weekend minus the the parade, the West Hollywood parade, which is very close to where I live, 
was it was canceled and that kind of sucked. But other than that, the I don't know, just the vibe got to do some fun stuff. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel very COVID-y anymore. What did I go to? Oh, I saw, I went to the bowl. I went to the Hollywood bowl and they check your vax. They check your ID. They're very, they're very strict about that. And then once you're in, you can just, it's like, you just go to a concert and, and I, uh, love it. It's like, didn't feel very quarantine. So I guess my news from the quarantine is I felt not quarantined. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean we're getting we're getting closer and closer. Um and I think for me, uh you know, over what happened over, you know, since our last recording, um what did I did I even I must have left the house. I mean, I talked about the stroke show the last time. Um I truly don't have any news from the quarantine. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Halloween. Really, really quick. So just so just to kind of recap, set up this big 12 foot skeleton and I put like these like handcuff things on him and he had like a raven on his shoulder. And then what I did with my skeletons is because remember we had on an earlier uh, pod. I was like, what do I do now? I have a skeleton. Like, how do I make it actually feel special versus just being a giant skeleton? So this skeleton was now lording over a dining table on my front lawn. A dining table consisted of two skeletons facing each other and opposite sitting in chairs on opposite ends of the table. One woman <laughs> with one woman skeleton with her baby, which is actually a little tiny alien, but I pose it as the baby sitting on her lap. And then the other, I guess like the husband. And then on the ground was a third skeleton and a dog skeleton. And the third skeleton, when I was trying to pose him, I broke off each of his arms by accident. It's a really crappy skeleton. <laughs> and I put one of them in the dog's mouth and when I broke the, the second one a couple of days later, uh, trying to pose him, I put that in the the husband's mouth on the table. So essentially, my Halloween display was uh, a cannibalism dinner table um, <laughs> with skeletons eating each other with kind of like a waiter, a 12-foot skeleton waiter. And then on the lawn was just a whole bunch of uh, tombstones and then a giant spider web with a giant spider with glowing red eyes. And then these little, these like, you know, football sized glowing spiders like along the path coming from there and like lights and shit. So it was kind of cool. And we got like, Whoa. Yeah. So we got like, I think eight to 10 groups of trick or treaters. What I would say is that about half of them were like above the age of 20 and about as much facial hair as I did. They're like, I'm like, Shh, don't you have like, I don't know, like to work on your thesis tonight. Why are you trick or treating? But hey, like your takes or a party to go to. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Don't you have a family to feed? Like, (laughs) how are your grandkids? Yeah, but it was overall that the takeaway from that the news from the quarantine is it's good to see trick or treaters again. We didn't get any of the previous year, and I think people like you know they were like pulling up to our house, stopping off in their cars, and and, you know just kind of like they weren't doing the normal routes, walking around. But like our our house was definitely being stopped at, and apparently nobody else got stopped at on the block. So it was great. And deservedly so for the work you put into that. And I just hope you leave your Halloween decorations up for the next until the next Halloween. Well, I haven't figured out how to store the 12 foot skeleton. So that's the only thing left remaining up. Um, I'll, you know, maybe I turn him into a pilgrim for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and then make him uh, dead Santa Claus. Yeah. And then a Santa Claus. And then in January, I don't know, dress him up as Valentine. No, that's, Wait, February. that's February. Yeah. February. January, what is President's Day? Dress him up as a president? I could put like, a, you know, some shoulder pads and a football jersey on him and he could be like, you know, a playoff football skeleton. Um, oh, and we're going to get into some football stuff later. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. that. 
So, but probably going to store him. Don't want him to get ruined. Um, anyway, that's our news from the quarantine. Um, Aaron, how about we jump into this first topic? I'm ready. I'm excited for this one, even though I don't know what it is. Yes. Yeah, so uh, there was an op-ed, a guest essay published by the New York Times. Um, and it was from a couple days ago. Big, giant headline. Can we separate art from the artist? And the headline was actually changed. Um, and let me pull up, I guess, due to the backlash. Here is the original yeah. headline. Should classic rock songs be toppled like Confederate statues? It was. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. Feel so, hopeless. So this quote unquote piece of writing um, was, uh, it was all about kind of like, hey, you know, we all like songs, but like, did you guys know that sometimes artists do bad things? Um, and she gets into Don McLean uh, talking about how, um, you know, there was uh, charges of, mis of domestic violence for him um, from about 30 years ago. Not excusing any of this. By the way, we are not justifying any of these bad things that people have done. She then goes on to talk about, um, you know, how he still has a Hollywood star in the Walk of Fame, even though he denies assaulting his wife. Um, and... She's like, can I still love their music if I'm appalled by the various events in the lives of Johnny Cash or Elvis or Jerry Lee Lewis or by Eric Clapton's racist rants and anti-vaccination activism? And she goes further in just talking about how like music is really problematic, even getting into the song Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones, where she gets into the, the, the what she says is... Uh, the track's racist lyrics, which refer to slave ships and rape, have been controversial since the song was first a hit in 1971, the same year as American Pie by Don McLean. And yet the guitarist Keith Richards, when asked about the removal, seemed a little uneasy with the decision. I'm trying to figure out what the sisters quite... I'm trying to find out with the sisters quite where the beef is. Didn't they understand this was a song about the horrors of slavery? And then she goes on to say, there are a lot of things I revere about Brown Sugar, and Mr. Richard's guitar riffs not the least. But I can tell you that in 50 years, it has not once occurred to me that this song might even remotely be about the empowerment of black women. The Stones don't know why their song has to go. Does simply removing it from their tour sheet go far enough? For a lot of baby boomers, it's painful to realize that some of the songs lodged into our memories in adolescence really need a second look. And it's hard to explain why younger versions of ourselves ever thought they were okay in the first place. I want to live in a world where I can be moved by art and music and literature without having to come up with elaborate apologies for that work or its creators. First of all, fuck you. You don't need to apologize. They don't need you to apologize. Fuck off. And then second of all, but does such a world exist? It's hard to think of some of our greatest artists without also thinking of their messy, sometimes destructive lives. In so many cases, the very chaos of Oh my of God, those. yes. It's very easy to not think about their yes. lives. It's like- Oh my gosh. Wait, can I just, can I just say something? Because this ticks me off. Yes. And yes. I'm, I'm supposed to bring I'm, hope and I will. And I'm going to say something and then I'm going to finish it, which might even like enrage you even further. But yeah, what do you got to say? Okay. And then I'll interrupt you three more times, but sure. let me do my first interruption. I'm going to say this, the star on the walk of fame, Donald Trump, who has done every kind of bad thing possible. He's been accused of rapes and assaults and Epstein's and ever. I mean, name the different things he's done, right? He's done it all. Some people still like him, but pretty terrible human. He has a Hollywood star on the uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame because he had a huge hit TV show. I hated it, never watched it, but he did do that. And as much of a vile human as he is, in my opinion, and I believe yours, uh, mm -hmm. 
he deserves that Hollywood star because he had a huge hit TV show called The The Apprentice. And it wasn't as big a hit as he thinks it was, but it was a hit. And I think he got the star because of that. So the guy still deserves the star because of that. Um, If you were to go down the Walk of Fame and look at all the stars and then think of their personal lives and all the the crazy stuff they did, I mean, there'd be no stars left. Everyone, I mean, people have done different vile stuff, especially as they've gotten fame and fortune. So I just don't get separating the the artist from the art. It's just, that's just what you do. I, why do you need to know about their personal lives? Why do you I need agree. to think it's about none it? Of, it's none of your goddamn business. And then it gets worse, by the way. Um, she says, um, when she goes on, after she says, you know, it's, does such a world exist? It's hard to think of some of our greatest artists without, you know, thinking of their messy, sometimes destructive lives. In so many cases, it's the very chaos of those lives that help create the art. It's easy to romanticize that chaos and ignore the wreckage artists can leave in their wakes. It was Don McLean in American Pie who asked, if music can save our mortal souls. My guess is probably not, but it can help us to time travel, not only to our adolescent past, Maybe reconsidering those songs and their artists can inspire us to think about the future and how we can bring about a world that is more inclusive and just. How about this? Go fuck yourself, Jennifer mm-hmm. Finney Boylan, you contributing opinion writer. This is I cannot believe that this was this drivel was published by the New York Times. And what she is trying to say is we've gone from a place of, hey, if you don't like a song, don't listen to it. Right, that used, that's like, if, if I don't want to listen to music, if I find, I don't like the artist, cool, you have every right not to listen to it. What she's saying is, if I, Jennifer Boylan, don't like an artist, you shouldn't listen to it. And we have a more just world if I can tell you what you shouldn't listen to. Because it's not inclusive by my standards. This is the type of world that I think we do not want to live in. And you know, even Picasso said something to the effect of women are, uh, let's see, he said, that women are either goddesses or doormats. Um, and by all accounts, he treated, you know, mistresses and wives like the latter. He wasn't a good guy. Does that mean we remove all the Picassos? Um, and like, oh, this is, this is, this is so, well, what do you feel most hopeless about? Because this is, this is, you're hitting the nail on the head of what I think is, is destroying, is I, making people I furious think, about, a certain group of people in our country. I think what I'm most hopeless about is actually that the New York Times, which is supposed to be the beacon of journalism in the United States, possibly the world, has published this, even in their opinions. This is drivel, this is divisive, and this is just a bad opinion. And this is not news, this is not worthy of that paper. But as we know, hearing from many people, everyone from Barry Weiss to whoever you know left there in the recent years, longtime editors, like really respected people. I'm not including Barry Weiss in that, but you know, in that group, but she's one of the, the most iconic people that left recently. They're saying that the they the news media has been taken over by people that decide it's not about reporting the news. It's about making sure justice is achieved through the written word. So now the the media has a goal goal that is very aligned to a specific way of thinking, a form of censorship, a form of anti-speech, a form of just ownership of culture um, and almost a cultural dictatorship. And this is what they are pushing. This is a sign that another sign that media and news is dead. Um, And that's the hopeless part is I don't trust any news media because of even someone as respectful as New York Times is printing absolute garbage like this. Yeah, I... It brings up so many things that tick me off. And I'm trying to find hope because 
what I believe, and this is where the individualism is, I think, so important. I, th I think we need to start remembering that we are individuals and we can have individual thoughts. I remember when Michael Jackson, when some of the accusations against him came up and a whole group of friends of mine, they were like, I'm never listening to Michael Jackson again. And I think when I saw them the next time, I just started playing Michael Jackson because <laughs> to me, to me, I kept saying, separate the art from the artist. Michael Jackson's a great artist. What he did behind the scenes is not the part that I even care about. And and until the last social media and all this stuff, we wouldn't have known about it. Like a lot of this would have been private anyway. We wouldn't have found out about it. So, and then he goes to jail. If he, whatever he, like uh, another famous guy, Phil Spector, who uh, produced like some of the Beatles albums. What, am I not supposed to listen to Beatles albums because Phil Spector produced them and he murdered someone? And no, John Lennon I mean, used to beat the shit out of his wife. Yeah, I didn't even know that, but yeah. sure. Yeah, so. So, yeah. So, like, and not that those behaviors are, we like, I'm against and you're against all of those behaviors. But remember to be an individual and remember that we can think for ourselves and just because you're on everything from a conversation to a zoom call to a text chain to a work meeting to a work uh to a corporate seminar about whatever that you're supposed to all think the same way just remember we are individuals we can have our own way of thinking we can disagree with what someone says and we don't have to just think the way someone else thinks because we think that's the supposed to in our current environment and if if these kinds of articles can remind us to be individuals and can remind us that their message can be something we can disagree with or we can say no to then i think we can actually progress as as a community as a country as a people if we start holding their words as our own, then that's when we're lost. If we start watching CNN or Fox and thinking that everything they say is is the word, we're lost. But if we remember we're individuals and we can have our own opinions and we're going to yeah. get into this more in this in yeah. this episode. It's... But if we can like I individual as an individual, I'm going to listen to the music I want to listen to and I'm not going to care or think about the person who sang it in their personal life, what they did. Cause I'm sure a lot of them did some shitty stuff, but I'm going to listen to the music because I enjoy the music. And if the music is provocative or brings up talking points or brings it like Brown sugar has some things that are, uh, that the topics aren't things that I agree with. Isn't that part of art is to make you think is to make you wonder, ponder, get angry, smile, yell, feel emotion. That's what art's about. That's what everything from, you know, painting to music to film it's supposed to do that that's the one of the points of it make you laugh make you cry make you angry make you think make you talk so yeah. we we can't just make it so there's one type of art allowed and that's it and that and that's what these people want they only want things that are approved by them and it's like i'm sorry i play a lot of violent video games and watch a lot of violent movies i literally rescue insects i don't even kill insects and i bring them outside my house i can't hurt living beings and like so I'm sorry, does me listening to music by artists with problematic past make me commit those acts? No, absolutely no. not. And so I think what she's trying to say here is absolute trash. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, there's, you know, you can always use the video game argument and, you know, and just sort of see where we get. But like, it's, it's, 
I think I do have hope that there is still a bit of uh, individual choice and that there are still people that feel that aren't, don't let their lives be run by words and treat words as violence or even just things that never affect them, like gossip about people that they've never met that have things that they've done in their own personal life. Like, no, just care about who you are. Care about the people yeah. that you love that you personally know. Don't give a shit about anybody else. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe help your community. I don't give a fuck. Do that stuff. But like, keep yourself, <laughs> keep your nose out of your business, out of other people's business. That's like rule number one. And like, let people live, let people do what they want as long as they're not hurting other people. Um, and separate art from the artist, man. But yeah, this was just a very frustrating thing to see. As you, as you know, my distrust of, you know, the ruling class and the media class is quite, quite is strange. massive. And it, and it's, yeah. and that's why, well, I want to hope gong this because I think just remember to keep being the individual. And if we keep doing that, we'll be at a better place. That wasn't loud enough. My, my soundboard, uh, I have a big, just so the audience knows, I have a very big soundboard. It's 50,000, I think it costs $52,000. Yeah. And sometimes the volume isn't loud enough on my phone. <laughs> there we go. So we're moving right into crypto because we talk about this you know, cryptocurrency a lot. It's definitely a very individualist type of, thing because everyone has an opinion about it and some people hate it some people love it some people scam with it but then i think you have one to talk about that is interesting yeah so this is i mean i know our listeners here have heard us promise to not buy any more shit coin because you know i think we got burned by everything from clue coin to muskets <laughs> to all these crap coins right um doge was the only one that really treated us well um uh, you know, a man can only be so strong and and can only, you know, resist for only so long and kind of gave in and jumped in to buy a coin called Kitty Inu. Now, Aaron, I know we were texting about this. Is this something that you decided to or to, to jump into or stay out of? It's it has nothing to do with not needing to do it because I do need to do it. It's pure laziness yeah. that. It takes time to do it, and I have. Even though I think you said it didn't take you that long, what? How long did it take to do it? Well, once I figured it out again, then it was very quick. But it took me a while to figure it out. Um, That's so what I. It's <laughs> like, and I just remember it being this arduous process. So I haven't done it yet. Maybe today. I think. Yeah, but today I'll mean, do it. But you tell me, how's it going? Um, well, I'll I'll sum it up in the it's kind of going like how the process to get there was, you know, I got a good tip from someone I very, very much trust. Um, and he himself also jumped into this. Um, and you know, he's done pretty well for himself in this crypto market. Um, and so I'm like, okay, all right, you know, maybe I'll give this a whirl. I'll jump back in. And so I was like, oh, I'll buy $500 worth. And you need to buy, you know, you need to like, uh, exchange Ethereum for it. So I had to buy Ethereum on my, um, Binance app. I bought like, you know, 500 something dollars worth of Ethereum, transferred it over to my smart wallet. Then I went through like this, you know, this, this, this swap on another site, fine. And then I get to the purchase thing and it's like, oh, they're charging me $200 fees on top of this, on top of my 550 to process this. I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. 
So then I'm like, okay, then I need to top off my Ethereum. So I went and bought more Ethereum, another $500 worth, transferred that, paid the fees again to transfer that Ethereum to my trust wallet. Um, and Could then, you have okay, just, if you did it once, would you only paid one fees? I th yeah, yeah, I would only paid fees once. Um, and then, so now I've spent $1,050, right, just on buying Ethereum. <laughs> I've spent like, I think $60 worth of fees on top of that to transfer. So that's like $1,100. Okay, I then that's transfer it. And then with the gas fees, as I call it for Ethereum, uh, like the ether, uh, by the time all was said and done, I had about $650 of Kitty Inu and spent <laughs> 300 something dollars in fees, like $350 in fees, uh, just for that transfer, not including the earlier transfers to my wallet. So now I've spent like- So just to buy, just to buy Ethereum, you had to pay a fee? See, that was a small fee to transfer the Ethereum from my uh, Binance to my trust wallet. That's that's that that added up. And then to purchase the Kitty Inu with that set Ethereum, that was the huge fees on top of that. So in the end, I spent about eleven hundred dollars to get about six hundred fifty dollars worth of Kitty Inu. And right now it's worth four hundred seventy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's so funny. It's just like, like you're, you're like everything you just said. And for those listening who have no clue what Rohit's talking about, you shouldn't. It yeah. makes no sense. It sounded like, like he just like did acid and then was talking about different things he's seeing and talking. I mean, it just made, you made no sense, but I get what you did. Cause I did it with you before. And <laughs> you're you're eleven hundred dollars and you have four hundred fifty dollars left, <laughs> and that's in like three days. So yeah. so you, that's like that's like uh, that's like wanting to go to France on a vacation and ended up in Phoenix. <laughs> yes, or Paris, <laughs> Texas. Wait, this is France. This is yeah. in France. Um, yeah. So how do you so, feel about your investment so far? Terrible. Because you, know you what just... I could have done with $1,100? I could have bought an international flight. I could have bought a flight to Japan. But no. <laughs> I now have fucking Kitty Inu. But I'm still holding out hope that um, <laughs> that we're still early on this coin and that's going to be one of these that spikes. But at this point, I'm very skeptical. So now you need it to like double and a half. Yes. Oh, and then just I, to break even. And then I am out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. I, I need to double and a so, half because if I'm going to transfer it back to Ethereum, I then need to pay the $300 fees again. So, yeah. Um, oh, man. That's. Well, I'll give you hope. Oh, really? I believe. Can you? <laughs> I, I believe that overall, I think in crypto stuff, you're up. And. If you're up overall with all this hassle and all this stupidity, if overall you're up, which I'm pretty sure you are, then yeah. it's all been worth it. You still can get that with crypto with, you know, you don't always make the best decisions when you're, when you're, you know, you have to, what is the phrase? Yeah. There, I don't, can't think of the phrase. Who cares about the phrase? You have to do a lot of things in order to get one thing to work. And you have done a lot of different things, but at least one worked and made you money. Yeah, Bitcoin, Doge, and Ethereum have been very good to me, um, but I've pretty much shit in my hands on the rest. Well, there the hope, but you've made money on this thing, yes. and yeah. what more can you ask for yeah, than exactly. making money in this world? So, 
hey, everyone, go buy Kitty Inu. Rohit just enjoyed, like, that's like the worst. That's like saying like a McDonald's commercial and being like, buy the Big Mac. You'll shit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or like, or, ew, this is gross. Smell it. You're like, no. Why would I? Like, no. Why? I don't want to smell that. I'll take your word for it. But if you guys do jump in, maybe it is the beginning. But again, we are not giving you advice. This is just purely sharing our anecdotes of our failures. This is the first time I think we did give advice. I think your story was like, was like the don't do drugs. (laughs) Like, yes, yes. like do not buy this probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get a shit coin, honestly, unless you are the one, like the early people that like help start the shit coin or you're really on an inside track before it becomes public, then you can just kind of ride the wave and just dump. And that's, I think what all these are. Um, yeah. Invest in really solid cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Dogecoin. <laughs> so, yeah. Joke on Doge. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's move next to because we have so much to cover today. Yeah, yeah, we do. And I'm excited about it cuz but yeah, let's do it. Sports. And th- yeah. this sports update isn't your our typical like we're going to talk about the a team that we like or anything like that. This is really a some cultural stuff that happened. And should we jump into Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. And actually before before we do just really quick call out, just kind of as transitioning from the crypto, uh just you know, I just want to say it's kind of disappointing what's what's happening with Dave Portnoy. Um, he founded uh, Bleacher Report, uh, or sorry, Barstool Sports, oh. Barstool Sports, um, and you know he's become oh, a big yeah. inter- a big presence. And what I, I I grew to love him because of just how much he was going to bat um, for all like the AMC stockholders and like the GameStop uh, shit against all the hedge funds that were like really doing illegal shit to make sure that people couldn't trade in GameStop. Um, which, by the way, nothing's going to come out of that, sadly, because the right. government is not to be trusted. Um, but yeah, recently he was accused of being uh, pretty rough and aggressive in his sexual encounters uh, and recording women uh, without them knowing. So that's not cool, and that's a bit of disappointment. Um, so, but yeah, we'll, we're going to track that and we'll give you guys updates. But let's talk about the big news update um, in sports with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, kick that off. Well, Aaron Rodgers, who is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and this, if you're not a sports fan, I'd still listen to this part because it's, I I think it says a lot about a lot of things. So he's the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. He had said he was vaccinated, but he wasn't actually vaccinated. And now he got co- he got COVID and he couldn't play this week. And he's decided to use this as a time to I guess speak his mind would be the word. So he had a big interview where he discussed all of the things that he thinks is wrong about society. <laughs> and so some of his quotes are pretty wild. He's basically blaming cancel culture for him misleading <laughs> for him misleading about his vaccination status and not following league protocols. And he says he has an allergy to an ingredient in the vaccine. And then he said that he's been listening to Joe Rogan's advice about taking, what is it called? Ivermectin. Ivermectin. Mm -hmm. So he listens to Joe Rogan as his doctor. And then he really went off about, about woke, the woke mob, which I kind of like, but he, and he had said before that he's been immunized, immunized. Is that the word? Immunized. And, and then he, then there's there was more. He kept 
I'm trying to remember all the quotes, but he really just went off on everything. He went off on COVID, the vaccine, the people who are telling him what to do. He's Joe Rogan's his doctor. Am I missing some of it? Uh, I think, yeah, he's using, yeah, he said he used like holistic uh, forms. Like, you know, when he was interviewed, like they asked him straight up in the press meeting, you know, that they had with the, with the team. Uh, you know, like, oh, are you uh, vaccinated? And he kind of like hesitated on his answer. He's like, I'm immunized. And then it's kind of like, okay, cool. But his immunization was very much holistic stuff and then treating any symptoms with ivermectin and shit like that. Um, and ivermectin is being prescribed in Japan and stuff like that to treat COVID symptoms. And yes, it is also used as, as a horse thing, but it's also used for many types of pain relief. But it is not something that will fix COVID or prevent COVID. It's purely meant for symptom relief. And it's not something it, that's like, it's like using, uh, I don't know, a condom after you get somebody pregnant, but <laughs> no, but actually that's not that because it doesn't prevent anything. Yeah. So what it is, it just helps with symptoms. That's it. Um, and that it's not even totally proven, you know, they don't really, you know, universally use it outside of Japan. Uh, so for, for COVID symptoms. So, uh, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that's called immunization, Aaron. Rogers. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's my take on this. Because I've heard a lot of people up in arms about him. Personally, Rowett, I just don't care. I find it funny that he's, but I also like, are you shocked that a quarterback who's lived this life of just being an athlete and kind of a big meathead and, and you're surprised an NFL quarterback is uninformed about something? and thinks that he knows better than everyone else like really like of course like these guys are their egos are up the are huge they've been babied their whole life he's what so we're expecting him to come up with the big smart anecdotes for life some nfl quarterback like to me who cares like i just don't like i don't it doesn't make me upset it does and and i also say their body their choice as we've as are more and more of our country has gotten vaccinated. If you choose to be unvaccinated and then you choose, then you're choosing to the bigger likelihood of getting sick. That's on you. And if you want to get other people sick that are close to you, like your teammates and stuff, that's your choice. And we obviously can't force everyone to do this stuff. Individualism is a thing. You can choose not to do it. I don't recommend it. And so I just don't care what Aaron Rodgers thinks about anything. I really, I never, it's kind of like the, the music thing that you were talking about from the New York times. Yeah. It's yeah. It's I, like, I, I don't care. But, but the hard part is, is he, we don't know what his teammates, if they have any sort of immunocompromised family members or people that they see. Right. And part of the players agreement like that, that, that it was the signed by the players union was that players if they are not vaccinated, have to follow different sort of protocols, right? And and he lied about that, and he was taking advantage of the protocol that was applied to players that have been vaccinated in terms of not wearing masks and things like that, right? So I think that's the part, kind of shitty part. Um, and I think it's there. There is a limit to, and this this is exactly what we talked about at the beginning of this, is right. It's like where does the individual begin, and where does the community begin? 
where does individual end and where does the community begin, right? Where is that line? And I think that line is always moving. And I think in this case, it's when he's in a locker room and on the field with athletes and he's, and I don't think it makes a difference because there's lots of players, lots of NFL players that are not vaccinated. And I don't think that's great, but they don't have to technically be. Um, and I wish they would like all get vaccinated by choice. But um, so, but that, that's not the bad part. I think the bad part is that he lied and that he then went into places and into situations where it was assumed he was vaccinated and could be a carrier. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. And also another tough one is I own Aaron Rodgers on a few fantasy teams. There, um, that's the, cause that's what I was going to say. The, Let's get to the truth. Yeah. Because otherwise, if I'm his teammates, I'd be upset if I was lied to for everyone else up in arms about it. Like, I can't believe he did that. I'm so upset. This and that. How does Aaron Rodgers affect you if you're not a Packers fan or you don't own him on a fantasy team? Zero. Yeah. His voice doesn't matter. He plays football. And now he's going to not play football for a bit. And the really bad part is also is that I'm playing Ina this weekend. Uh, in our couples league. Um, and so I can't lose to her. That's not okay. Cause you know, I gotta, I, you know, always, you always gotta beat your partner in fantasy. Um, so now I'm short one Aaron Rodgers, and I've replaced him with his backup, um, Jordan love, who's never started a game. Um, so this should be bad. Hey, yeah, that'll go, that'll go bad, which will be yeah. kind of entertaining for us who are, root, who are rooting against the chosen one, but yes. which is Rohit. Yes. But here's one one last one last thing about this. So many people look, I'm pro vax. I want everyone to get vaccinated. I want the, everyone to be healthy and I that would be a beautiful thing. Uh, we have I have been proven wrong. I thought everyone would just do it because it's the obvious thing to do. They don't with someone like Aaron Rodgers versus someone like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan has a platform where he is a voice that people listen to for knowledge, for information. And he gives out BS information and he's talentless. I call him talentless Joe because I just think he is a talentless hack and I don't care how much money he makes. I think he's atrocious. I've seen this comedy in the past. I think he's just bad at everything. I cannot stand the guy. Aaron Rodgers, the thing that we're supposed to enjoy him doing is throw a football. And if he's throwing a football, great. If he's not, okay, then we don't watch him that week. I've never thought of listening to an athlete as a voice of reason <laughs> in my life or as someone that I want to get information from so that I know what to do with my life. If someone happens to end up being some sage like Yogi Berra, like had all these amazing quotes or different, different amazing athletes have just had ended up being good at that. Great. Aaron Rodgers never struck me as one of them. Yeah. I mean, he did go to like UC Berkeley, which I guess is a pretty good school. Uh, oh, right. For his smarts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was all academic. Right. Um, yeah. I agree with you. It's you don't look to athletes for information on pandemics and vaccinations. <laughs> vaccinations. Um, so so yeah. again, be an individual here. Think like, does this really matter in your life? Do you are you really so upset? Does it really like, OK, run along, Aaron Rodgers, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I also here's another great thing I hope to come out of this is the fact that so many people are getting upset. That to me is helpful because it's hilarious. 
Um, it's yeah. a lot of, we have a, a couple, of, we have a, we have a chain we're on where a couple people are really upset and both Rohit and I just make jokes about it. <laughs> like seeing people get upset over kind of small things is just, yeah, it's, it's just like watching funny. a trash fire. Um, I'm, I'm into it. Um, cool. Well, I think we feel a little bit hopeful. Um, yeah, I think you have a debate topic, don't you? Yeah, it feeds right into what we were just talking about. And this debate, I am excited about. So the the question for the debate is, do you want to be canceled? And um, I'm not going to say any more because I have a very distinct opinion on this. But Rohit, the debate is, and I'm, you're going to get to ask me it next. Do you want, excuse me, do you want to be canceled? There is, I would literally rather go to prison than get canceled. Um, because at least you can get a job after you go to prison. Um, and you're less of a pariah. Um, and no, I think being canceled right now is actually probably just as scary as a potential home invasion. Um, or getting like, like it is terrifying because what canceling is, it's a, a, an extra judicial punishment by a jury of millions of your peers that is lopped onto whatever punishment you may face from the law or your employer, but amassed under the phrase of consequences. It's people, it's people creating their own consequences against people that they are not happy with, that they've never met and stuff like that. So it's like, it's almost like vigilante justice by an internet mob and that and people are calling that oh well that you know actions have consequences blah 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 and we're just like we are run we are run by a world of idiots um and there's even more idiots that are on the internet and when those idiots are determining people's futures uh in addition to any sort of punishment that they may get handed down uh from their companies or whatever and law the law i think that that's that's cancellation and i am hopeful to never what do you think Aaron. Well, first, I'm going to say that I think this is why it's called the debate. I think that your answer is proving that you're a conformist and you lack individualism <laughs> and you are all talk and no play and no show. And I am incredibly disappointed in you because you like chaos, but you don't want to be a part of it. And oh, so. No. <laughs> so my answer is yes, if. So if that means that I am saying what I actually believe or what I actually think and someone then says that I have to be canceled for being an individual, for being who I am and I know who I am and what my heart is and I know that I have made mistakes in my life and also come from a good place and am open-minded and all, all the whatever I am, I know who I am and I know that None of it deserves a cancellation. So if someone decides to cancel me, that just means that's them, not me, and bring it. And then I love to fight to the the bitter end for it. And here's a, here's a reason for that. My grandfather, who I've talked about on the this show in the past, came over from Nazi Germany, became a rabbi, and he started the interfaith movement. And he was all about open dialogue with all people including even people from Germany that he was friends with who fought for the Nazis. And 
and he even stayed friends with them and they were on the wrong side for a period of time. But they ended up knowing what was wrong and it was because of this open conversation and open dialogue that they got past it, they got through it. And he was about, I mean, I grew up like at his house, there was people of all religion, cultures, races, always at his house. He was always having these dialogues and they were on the news sometimes. And that's what his platform was. So I asked my dad, I said, dad, what do you think Papa, my grandfather, Alfred Wolf, would think of cancel culture? And he said he would have hated Trump and he would have hated cancel culture. He would have said that it prove it shows that you can't be an individual and you can't have open dialogue and you can't discuss things and you can't work through things and you can't even disagree with others. And he would think it is just the opposite of what he stood for as a liberal Jew who came from Nazi Germany. And I have looked up to my grand he's passed, but I've looked up to my grandfather my whole life and his words and his sayings and what he believes in. And if I can't stay true to my thoughts with friends, with people in the and in the public because someone will disagree with me and then say I'm canceled. If I make a joke, whatever it might be, then that's on them, not me. And if I'm going to be canceled, then I'll fight to the bitter end to say that I still believe what I what I said and or I believe the joke that I made or I, whatever it would be that would get me canceled or I believe the thought that I have that you don't agree with and let's have a discussion. If you want to just label the word cancel on me, I'm going to be louder than ever. And so that's why I don't want to be canceled, but I don't want to shut up. I, I, I first of all, I respect not only your grandfather, but your convictions that you follow. And I think, you know, it's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of bravery to be able to stand up for what you believe. However, it's, it's at many times it feels like an unwinnable battle. You have people that have the power, groups of people, even if they don't like words that you say or things that they think you think, they have the power to take the food from your table, to take away your career, to destroy your reputation just in what they feel is a, their version of justice and retribution. They will have never met you, but they want to destroy you. And we see that happening. People say, cancel culture doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think, talk to uh, anybody from James Gunn who has managed to get his job back because it took the biggest stars in Hollywood to support him. J.K. Rowling, oh yeah, everybody's saying she's rich. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. Like she can't get anything sold anymore because everybody calls her a transphobe for just saying her, speaking her mind, whether you agree with her or not. Then you have, you know, John Gruden fired for four emails, but the whole topic with Dan Snyder being okay, running literally like a prostitute ring with his cheerleaders, he's still fine. Like, so it's like you have This words. is why, this is why I, just like my grandfather did the interfaith movement. Did he solve the problem of all cultures getting along? No. But did he do what he believed in? Absolutely. And I think we're at a point where we start, we need to have people who, who go against the grain more and more and are liberal, are, are on the left and are still speaking their mind against this stuff, just like Chappelle's been doing. And that doesn't mean I agree with everything Chappelle says or doesn't say, or I think that everything he says is great, but I respect that he's for his convictions and then you can like him or not like him. And he's also for dialogue. He wants to have dialogue. He actually wants to do that. He's open to it. And I'm open to it. My grandfather was open to it. And that's what he wanted. That's what he started. So yeah. 
to to for us to not to be quieted because we are fearful of what the ramifications might be is giving in to everything I think that he came from a place where he did get silenced. The the worst form of cancellation is getting sent to a concentration camp and getting killed. And that's what a lot of my family members did. That's, that's I guess, as awful as it gets. And yeah. we're not get, having that. We still have our liberties if we exercise them. And I don't know. I feel very strongly about this, that... That it's time. It's a little bit of enough is enough, and and just like um, for me, just talking with different friends and stuff, where it's a very big herd mentality among views. One person will say one thing, and then everyone has to think the exact same thing, or else they're bad. And I always say what I think, and then people I've left one chain because I was like, I'm all right. If they are going to just do this, I don't want to be a part. I don't want to see these texts anymore. This is stupid. Why am I even talking to these people? Yeah. I mean, I, I see that. I, I think never in the history of humanity have we ever been more scared to say words. Like we've never been like right now. It's terrifying for anybody, even innocently. It's like, oh, I want to say the wrong thing. I hope people don't see that. I hope like, like we are so scared of saying words now because words can be our downfall um, because Twitter is the judge, jury, and executioner. Um, the internet it, it is, is a mob with, you know, torches that's ready to burn down the next victim, you know, at the stake. And so I, it is very scary. I respect your, like truly I do. I respect, you know, how much that you feel like you could stand up for what you want to say. Um, I hope to be that brave one day. But I think in the end, it's also up to the businesses and the studios and everybody that is taking what the dumbass Twitter mob is saying and actually then applying that that recommended punishment. They could easily just say, just fuck off. No, we're not doing that. But it all comes down to the corporatists and say, oh, we'd rather lose this person and just take away their dignity so we don't get bad press, so we don't lose advertisers. And like, all, it's a whole spiral. If everybody stopped being cowards, not only the people speaking the words, but the people that are in charge of the people that they are firing or whatever. If everybody stopped being cowards and stopped giving in to the loud voices of the very few, then I think the world would move forward. Would um, move. But, and uh, I just, I agree. And I just want to say one other thing that my grandfather did that I thought was brave is in the 80s, the Pope came to Los Angeles and he was invited to speak with pope in front of whatever big audience in some big place that they that the pope spoke and my grandfather spoke and he called out the pope for something that he had done that he thought was wrong and a lot of people were up in arms how can you how dare you call out the pope and he explained himself he said why and i i forget i wish i remembered the entire story i can bring it to the pod next time but the fact that he did that like to me if it was happening right now, he'd like get canceled. And I don't ever want to think that we're in a place where you can't speak your mind because of something you disagree with, with someone of power of like as much power as it gets, like the Pope. And you can't speak your mind because you disagree with them and have an open dialogue. Yeah. It's we're in it. We're in an era. We're a new era. It's a painful era. And everybody is just trying to 
make sure we're being nice. And now the, like, I don't think, nobody, you don't have to legally be nice. That is not legally enforceable. It's just a nice, a nice, it's a nice rule. But now people are trying to enforce their version of niceness with their own version of justice and it sucks. But yeah, I respect, like, that's awesome. Calling out the Pope, badass. I wish your grandfather's still around so he could be a guest on this show. <laughs> yeah, I know, that would be cool. That'd be amazing. Um, cool, well, I think that debate, I think where we netted out is neither of us wants to be canceled, but one of us would be able to handle it better than the other. And that's you. And so like, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I doubt. Well, it also, just one last thing you, you can, I believe also just remember this, everyone listening and just in general, you can be for and against multiple things. So, like there's a someone running for governor in in Arizona named Carrie Lake, and she's a Nazi sympathizer, QAnon woman. She's done all these bad things. You know, she's a bad person. So I think she's disgusting. And then you can also think that the super woke culture is hurting the liberal agenda because it's alienating people. So you can think both things. You can be against the extreme right and you can be the extreme against the extreme left and you can voice that and not and you shouldn't be canceled for saying it. You shouldn't have people say think that you're wrong because you have multiple opinions that aren't what everyone on one side thinks. And so I guess I'll just leave it at that is that you you can be an individual here. You can have multiple multiple opinions about different topics. You can even change your opinion about topics. We're people, we think about things, we learn, we progress. Yeah. Sorry, I clicked on your article and now the auto video started playing so I could, um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, I don't know, that's, uh, I probably got canceled for everything I just said anyway, so I gotta go do it. I gotta go deal but, with it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I like it when people are mask off not like the COVID mask off when you're in you know, public space, but like I, mean, I also <laughs> love not having to wear a mask. So in situations where I don't have to, I'm not going to wear it, but where I do have to, I will. But in regards, the idea of mask off is like, okay, we can see a person's true intentions, their true words. Wouldn't everybody rather hear the Nazi words from a fucking candidate to know, oh, that is the Nazi versus that. And then, you know, I'm not voting for that person versus everyone, every politician just saying exactly what they, but what they want people to think and blah, 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 blah. I like the idea of mask off. So you know who to stay away from. And like, I don't think words can cause violence. I do not. And I think it's actions lead to violence and it's how we people react. And people are smarter than just being like, Oh, someone said words time to do something. No, I don't believe you can incite things like that. Or even what people are considering inciting violence today is like almost nothing. It's crazy. But the idea that we have this candidate sucks. Um, I'm glad I don't live in Arizona. Um, it's a very nice place. <laughs> but you're going to travel to Paris and end up in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, it's, it's, but I would rather, it's better the enemy you can see versus the one that hides in the closet, you know, or hides under the bed, you know? Yeah. So, so there we go. We came to a, Hey, yeah. let's see what happens. We're, we're definitely not stopping this topic. And even topic two goes right into it again. Yeah. So this is two, why, yeah, 
this is just I, it's and before you what? before you get into that i looked at yeah. the, the title of this topic on aaron and my our live google doc that we use to work off of and it's got two words in this topic one word is one of my favorite things and the other word's a thing i hate so i'll let you guys think about that guess what it is and here it is <laughs> here it is robot journalism yes so row it this is why i feel hopeless but first I'll tell you what's happening. In Miami, for the, I believe, Miami Herald. I've been in that too. I, I, like, I was on the cover of the Miami Herald. That was awesome. That's a humble oh. brag, but that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, in the, uh, in the Miami, Miami Herald, maybe this is why I was on the covers because a robot was doing it. But the, on the cover of the Miami Herald, the, there has been over 50 articles in the Miami Herald written by a robot, by an actual bot, not an not a journalist. They're about like different houses and how, what they sell for and what you, why you should like them or not like them. And 50 real estate stories have come out written by, a, I don't know the pseudonym, but written by an actual robot. And it uses different algorithms and, whatever the hell a robot uses to make it so that the robot can write an article. I think it's both great and sad. It's sad that it's come to a place where we need a robot to write some of this stuff. Uh, it's great because I just think that's cool that a robot can write articles. And then I also, I feel extra hopeless because a lot of people are saying that they're frightened by it. They're actually frightened by it. And why I feel hopeless about that is I think you should be more frightened by some of this journalism that's coming out right now because of the way our society has pointed journalism to have to be this shock value stuff like what you just talked about, that people are frightened by actually getting more of the truth. Imagine if CNN or Fox News or whatever news station you listen to that just aims for the shock. Imagine if they were just a robot telling you the facts. Now it's, it would get no it would get no viewership, but it would actually deliver the actual truth. So, yeah. uh, give me hope. I mean, you see what I mean? It's like I think it's cool. It's a problem, and it's and it does have two things: one thing you love and hate. But yeah, so I I, I kind of like it, but I hate that people are frightened by it. But I also get it. It's a weird I mean, topic. Another thing to be hopeless about with this specific topic, again, is something that, you know, Andrew Yang has talked about, but, you know, a lot of people are very concerned about for and have been for a long time is automation. And, you know, automation, uh, you know, has led to a reduction, obviously, in lots of blue collar jobs, factory work. Um, and it's while it's brought down prices, it's also really taken away a lot of skilled labor positions now. It's it's looking to take away creative positions. And so I think automation is definitely a significant problem that needs to be addressed because there's going to be not a lot of work for a lot of people. Um, right. And that is something to be concerned about. But the other element is, yes, it's, you know, I think a lot of journalists aren't, aren't worth a damn and maybe a robot can <laughs> do it better. Um, but I think that this will then only hopefully increase the quality of journalism. Once you filter out all the 
garbage, which is like 85% to 90% out there right now is just trash news. It's not real news. It's clickbait headlines with just barely write-ups that are copy-pasted from AP or other news sources. Um, so it's mostly crap, but maybe this will now really elevate those good writers um, and kind of you know bring back some good journalism. So you've got your robo-journalism and your good journalism. And the other thing, Aaron, I want to leave you with is this. Yeah. Sure, while most of these are scripts and programs that just exist on a, you know, on a laptop, there's a good chance, you know, and there is a chance, not a good chance, but there's a chance that this robot journalist is like the size of a refrigerator with big giant slinky arms, just like smashing on a keyboard. Going, <laughs> and so, and I think that's pretty great. I that's want that in writing articles that I read. So there's some hope that I hope helps. That I feel I'm hope gonging that that that's funny. <laughs> uh, let's let me go to my fifty two thousand dollars soundboard and click on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> great. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. <laughs> now I have a great image in my head. And, and now we get to now we get to wrap up the show with. Well, why don't we uh quickly do. Yeah, I just have one bit of hopeless TV that I just wanted to bring up. It's it's yeah. a very quick one. So, I recently watched the film Pineapple Express. I'd only seen it once in the theater. If you remember the film with uh, James yep. Franco, who's been canceled mm -hmm. for I forget why. Uh, I think he was creepy. Oh, creepy! All right, so yeah, yeah. He's a great actor though. Like yeah, it's again, it's like yeah, the artist and the art. I still, I, actor. yeah. I mean, really good. Like so. Anyway, I'd seen it once in the theater, watched it again, and I, I, it's a way better movie than I remembered it. It's a really good movie, and his performance is fantastic in it. He's like incredible. It's it's a great character that he creates, and and there's so many. Why I feel hopeless is there are so many jokes and so many things that they do in this film that you could never do in this great, fun adventure comedy. And it just made me bummed that one, the actor is canceled and there it might be justified if he did stuff with women and can't get roles anymore. I get it. That's bad. You can't do that. And you got to be held accountable for those types of decisions. I don't know. I don't really remember why. So I don't, rem I can't speak beyond that. But it was just a bummer then to think that we don't get more James Franco because of that. But it's also a bummer to think that he'd behave that way. But then the, the writing is so funny and none of that would go over in a comedy anymore. And that, that movie only came out like, what, 10 years ago? So, yeah. Something like that. So, I don't know. Just I wanted a little hope because I feel like we're, we're just losing comedy we're just not going to get comedy anymore oh we're not we're not there's there, there's actually some recent uh there's a comparison of like some various like the louis ck and like a dave Chappelle comedy special and then like two more like woke comedy specials and you see like on rotten tomatoes like the Chappelle like has like a 20 percent critic score but like a 90 something percent audience score and then <laughs> the woke comedy special has like a 98 uh critics score and then like an 11 audience score and this is like and you kind of keep seeing this it's like the critics are like oh well this is what's appropriate and funny and then the audience is like no this is what's actually funny and um and i think like the the hope i can bring to you is that maybe the audience score sometimes which are you know due to you know score bombing done by individuals but like i trust 
the audience, you know, in, in, you know, that, that will, they will, you know, keep elevating these shows. And the good thing is, man, is, you know, fortunately we also have DVD and Blu-ray players because I don't <laughs> think we're going to be getting very many comedies in our lifetimes going forward that are truly edgy and funny. It's even no. like the most recent Borat was very toned down um, to his previous stuff. Like it still was funny. Like, it was still funny, but it was like, it was like they cut, they like real, the edges, a lot of the edge was gone. It was more hijinks than edge. Um, yeah. And that was kind of like, oh man. Um, and so I think at least we have things like Pineapple Express and, you know, there's just an infinite amount of amazing films that we can rewatch. The sad part is we'll never get to watch them for the first time. Um, I know. But it's, if you get baked <laughs> enough, like it's, it'll feel like the first time. And so, yeah, there's or, or, or the new comedies will actually get funny. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, now I kind of see where they're going. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, you know, kind of a little, like, like one of the, the shows that I think is, is a bit edgy, a bit funny is, um, uh, Oh God, it's on Netflix. It's an animated show. Uh, big just, mouth. They just hit season big mouth. Yeah. I think season three or four, four came to that out today. Um, but it's nothing like what South Park does. No. And God bless South Park. I just hope they don't go soft. Um, because Parker and Stone are two of the most important people in entertainment, I think. And they still um, can do it. They're like one of the few that can still do what they do. Yes. Yes. Well, so I hope that brought some hope that we at least have the ones we can look back on, but also rely on audience scores to keep the ones afloat that need to be heard. And um, yeah, and then we have weed. Um, <laughs> combo those three. will hopefully then, you know, help the comedy all around. Well, bong, we're hope gonging that. <laughs> And with, with a bong and get it bong and then <laughs> uh, bong. And so let's do hope in 60 because yeah, man, we're running out of time. So we have to uh, we have to bring some hope quick. Yes. I'm going to start this timer and you got the first two topics and go. I feel a bit hopeless about this Henry Rugg situation. If you don't know what it is, I'll say it really quick. He is a football player. From on the Raiders, he went to Alabama and he was driving 156 miles an hour in Las Vegas at 3 a.m. after playing top golf. And he hit and killed a woman and a dog in their car because he was going 156 miles an hour. And he's a mess. He's going to go to jail and he got hurt, but he didn't die. And this woman and dog died. And the whole situation is hopeless for a zillion reasons. So bring me hope, Rohit. So here's the hope I can bring you. I watched this video of actually him. Someone recorded him like like crying and weeping on the sidewalk with this girl. And like just see the like and people are like, oh, it's so selfish. Like you saw the human pain of what he'd done. He just realized he just killed somebody. And you can actually hear the screams coming from the car as the car was on fire that he hit. And um, and I think it was chilling. I don't know if you've seen that video. It is absolutely fucked up and there's like another part where the car explodes even further so like the woman and her dog are dying on camera pretty much and if not or they're being cooked alive from inside the car and i think if there's the only hope i can take that is like you saw his pain and you saw that horror and i think that that was more of a dui drunk driving reality check than most people will ever see in this media blitz that we're getting with all just like oh here's a bite here's a bite here's a bite here's a bite twitter 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 tweet like that's something made me pause and stop in my tracks and maybe we need to see the reality of that and just 
Okay. So it's hopefully an exa- it hopefully it stops other people from doing the idiocy that rugs did. Even if it stops two or three other people, that's two or three lives saved potentially. So and and uh, rest in peace to the woman and her dog. That's terrible. Yes. Yes. And next one, Aaron. Pete Davidson. I just don't get it. He now is with Kim Kardashian apparently, and this guy. Pete Davidson, who's just like a burnout stoner guy on he's on SNL. He's pretty funny. But this guy is now being compared to. I just read this. He is the the Warren Beatty of 2021. And for those who don't know Warren Beatty, he was like the playboy of the 70s and 80s. And I just don't like Pete Davidson. Anyway, you have to look him up because we don't have it's 60 seconds. So. He is, he's been with a zillion of the most famous women and give me hope because I just don't get it. Yeah, because he's like, I guess he's kind of handsome. I guess he's more funny and charming than handsome. But I mean, the dude must be packing like, I don't know, like literally like a baby's arm holding an apple. You know, like it's (laughs) like, I I, I don't know what, what I, I mean, he keeps getting like, the dude, the dude doesn't stop with the hits. Like, no. And he's pretty funny, too. So I think, if anything, it's hope for the world that a sense of humor, if you're single, a sense of humor can get you anybody. Um, yeah, or, get, so, or get on SNL. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, yes, remember, it's more than just looks. It's about being funny. Yes. But, All right. I feel yeah. hope. Thank you. Good. Good. Um, all right. And then this last one. All right, I'm going to treat this as a little quick uh, preview of probably a future topic. But um, there is a uh, an arrest of someone named Igor Dechenko, um, who was a source for the Steele dossier, which was kind of the whole focus of the Trump-Russia uh, investigation, which is all now possibly false. Uh, Igor worked with, uh, um, let's see, it was. This says the dossier was generated by the Clinton campaign. Its principal author was sworn British spy Christopher Steele. Steele's main source was Dechenko, a Russian native based in the U.S. who worked at the Brookings Institute, a Washington a Washington think tank. Think tank whose former president Strobe Talbot is a culture to Bill Clinton's blah 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 blah. Well, there's a lot of like a little bit of conspiracy in here. The hope is, or the hopelessness is that, oh my God, do we have to hear about Russia and Trump again? And what if it was all false? And then I have to hate everyone even more. Okay, I'm gonna do hope in four seconds. I know it's true. There's no way this this wasn't a part of it. That I'm just what, sure of. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. You have my word that there's gonna be have stuff. There stuff is gonna come out that's gonna screw over Trump. I guarantee it. But what? But what? How would you feel though if it if it this does this document is does is proven to be false? Because this guy has gone to prison and he's under five counts of perjury. Uh, I uh, I don't want to go to those feelings right now, Rohit. But that that's where I'm at, dude. Like that's. Um, if this is all a lie, so I'll tell you. Then something else is going to come out that's going to put Trump away. The New York State stuff, something like it. Any what? It is true. Like he did cheat. It may. I I mean, it may not be. I mean, it's it's there. Yeah, there's a lot to to hate about him. But like Russia was like the thing that everybody kept banging their drums on for so long. But there was so was much other else. evidence besides this do, this dossier that. That was so obviously him connected to Russia, all the meetings, all the different stuff that we, I forget all the details that we 
heard and read, saw in yeah, like 2016, those are 17. in this dossier that was generated. Like, so, so maybe there's knows? a few false so that, things. Maybe there are yeah. a few false purged things, and then there's also a lot of truth. Is my guess. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: if it's if it's if it's proven to be false or mostly false, boy, 2024 it gets a lot more interesting. Ooh, I don't want to go there. That makes me too yeah. hopeless. Ugh. Yeah. All right. On to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have hope there. We're not going to gong that one, but that's, no. I think just watch for that developing story, but we want to use that hope in 60 to tease it a little bit. Tease. You're a yeah. tease. And then we have a submission, but it's the anti-submission. And I'm just going to tell you what I tried to do really quick. And then we'll be done with the show for this week. And I hope everyone has enjoyed it. But this is the anti-submission. We've never had a submission like this. I saw Seth Rogen to do a Pineapple Express callback. Seth Rogen did put up a picture of himself. And I thought he looked like funny and ridiculous. So I wrote to Seth Rogen on, on a direct message, assuming that he'd obviously write back to me. And my thing was, the picture, you can go look at it, is I wrote him, you look like Macaulay Culkin if there was a Home Alone 8. <laughs> and I and you have to look at the picture to fully get it. But I just assumed he'd write back and just think like he want, he'd want to talk about it. And then that would be the submission. This week is that Seth Rogen wrote something back, but he didn't. And so this is like, I feel hopeless, actually, because I really thought I'd nailed that one. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, he's probably got, he probably gets a lot of DMs. I haven't seen the picture yet, um, but uh, Wait, I'm gonna I show mean, you. you could just, you could just keep tweeting the same thing at him over and over. Um, well, it was on Instagram, spots. but yeah, he, he does have a lot. He has like a zillion followers. Yeah. Um, the picture is gone. But oftentimes he the blue checks. Thing. At least in the comments, we'll elevate to the top. Um, so oh, there it is. Still a chance. <laughs> I mean, he's cleaned up. He cleaned up a bit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. McCall, <laughs> Home Alone 8. Yeah, lost, sure that's lo exactly the vibe he was going for. Lost in Delaware. I don't know. Yeah. Um, cool. And actually, Aaron, so I think we can actually even end just with a little bite of Hope, uh, hope Fulfilled. And uh, I just want to give a quick update. That Zillow, um, their stocks have plunged 25% um, after they have exited the home buying business. So Zillow had an entire corporate arm that was buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of homes and then flipping them a few months later for way higher prices. They mm -hmm. are now shutting down that division. And I think that was big and that's due bigly in part. Bigly. Oh, man. Oh, no. I just said bigly. <laughs> um, uh, that was due bigly in part to uh, a guy's uh, TikTok video, sort of calling them out for artificially inflating neighborhood prices and just increasing the price of real estate for everybody to make it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's great. So I'm happy. I'm happy. But sadly, BlackRock and other companies bought off this remaining inventory. So there's still a bunch of fucks that are corporate fucks that are buying this shit. Now, I think the hope I can give here is that this was a little bit of win of the individual. It took one TikTok video from one person to then get fire and then spread and then really put a dent in the, in the pockets of this company. Um, so I'm really, really hopeful and this is a great bit, so a bit of hope fulfillment that at least one of these predatory uh, corporatist uh, companies that's just buying homes and flipping them to people and they can, just because they have all the money they can and they can easily afford to buy a home without looking at it with their big pockets than a person can, right. that they're getting a little damage back. So 
fuck Zillow. Um, and that's great. Fuck. That, I like that. That's I feel great now. Yes. Thank you. Yes, uh, of course. I feel awesome. I hope everyone feels awesome from this show. The Zillow thing was just the capper of just the positivity that we brought today. <laughs> we have just been full of positivity and yes, love. Yes. And and you can follow us. Follow me on at the Aaron Wolf on social media. Rohit is Vohit for Rohit. The number four. The Hopeless Show is the Hopeless Show on social media. And we're gonna not stop with these topics because they're not going away. But we hope yeah. you've enjoyed uh, individualism and keep being yourself, everyone. Keep exactly. being yourself. And three more episodes till episode sixty nine. Oh my god! Until so close. Uh, but until then, we'll see you at sixty seven. It's, it's coming! It's coming! It's <laughs> coming! Uh, all right, Aaron. Anyway, all right, audience. See you guys later. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore, here it comes, that glimmer of hope. A light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show.